0: Well, it's our privilege this morning to uh, form a panel of uh, persons that I know will be a blessing to our hearts as we listen to some of their responses to some questions. We're also going to give a little bit of time to you in the congregation later in the panel time for a question, so you may want to think if you have an issue you'd like to ask about. Uh, We'll do that a little later. First of all, let me introduce uh, Mrs. Helen Arnett, who is our Christian Counseling Center's Director of Counseling Services. Then next to her, Dr. Suzanne Newbold, who is a faculty member in the Counseling Department of the University of the Bahamas. Then we have Mr. Brian Marie, QC, partner of McKinney, Bancroft, and Hughes Law Firm and chairman of our church's association. Then we have Pastor Alan Lee, Senior Pastor, Teacher Emeritus of our church, and the founder and director of the Teleos Theological Training Institute. And last but far from least, we have Brother Michael Simonette, uh, Chairman of the Christian Counseling Center Board and retired CEO of Beltelco. Welcome our panelists, will you? (laughs) Wonderful. I'm going to throw this question out to whomever. Uh, From your experience, what is the most common presenting problem from counselees? And we're asking you to use the mic today um, before you speak. Most common presenting problems uh, from persons seeking counselling?
1: I'm in academia at the university, and so the issues that come to my office and and before me are usually the struggles students have affecting their their studies. And uh, most prevalent, uh, I have been tracking students from 1999 until 2015. And my findings show that they present with issues of study, habits, career, not knowing their abilities and their fear of failure. Now that's the presentation, but that's not necessarily the bottom line in terms of the issues that they truly have underneath. But those are the most common ones.
0: Thank you, Dr. Newbold. There are uh, presenting problems when you go to a counselor, that this is my pain, this is my problem, but often as the therapist goes through the situation, there are root underlying causes. Someone else for uh, that question, from your experience, some of the more common uh, presenting problems from counselees.
2: Well, it depends on who the counselee is. Whether, for instance, if they are married and they come in for marital counseling, I find that infidelity, or lack of integrity, failure to expose or to explain secrets of the past, like for instance, I have five children already, uh, failure to disclose bad debts, those are the type of things that I find a problem. If the person comes in and they're uh, singles, it's a different presenting problem. Many times is a feeling of failure on their part, failure of loneliness, no purpose in life, and that type of a thing. Those are the things that I
0: come across in my counseling. Thank you. Um, Now let's go from uh, presenting problems that are common. What are some of the underlying uh, root issues for those kinds of presenting problems?
1: Well, I guess I started it, so I need to continue here. And in that same study, long term, we found that those problems that I articulated a moment ago were really foot, what we call foot in the door um, issues. But as we choose to work closely and establish a relationship, we we find, we found out that Relationship was with parents, so relationship issues were pro, um, most prominent. Worrying too much, the fear of failure, their preoccupation with life goals and their abilities, their lack of motivation and health concerns were among the most prominent issues that became
0: uncovered as we worked. Thank you very much. Uh, Sister Helen, would you have something to add? Um,
3: I find out that most of the problems are family of origin where people are historically attached to family issues they haven't worked out, so you bring your baggage with you. And if you Cannot find somebody who you can be authentic with to help you unload the baggage, it will distort the whole relationship. And I find this is a big, in my helping my people.
1: Yes. I I would verify that too, because I I, um, run a family of origin group as well as uh, genogram seminars, and we see the unpacking of all the baggage as Helena uh, alluded to a moment ago. And so they are they, they come loaded with all types of issues, and we need to be very mindful of that as we choose to work with them.
0: Yes, indeed. Uh, for anyone at all, uh, what place does prayer have in a counselor-counselee relationship?
3: So I'm presenting at the Christian Counseling Center because we are seen as a Christian organization. We still have to be very careful in pushing prayer because a number of our clients are not people who are interested in prayer. So when they present themselves, we have to hear what they have to say first before you try to give them a holy zap or talk about prayer. And I think I find that in doing this, then they're more open. And sometimes after a few sessions, then they want to engage prayer and they want to engage a conversation about spiritual matters. But initially presenting that, it's a turn off.
0: Yes. I imagine that's part of a breakthrough for a counselee when they welcome prayer and invite
4: you to pray with them.
0: Anything further, Michael?
4: Well, I'd just like to add to what um, Sister Helen said. Um, I think the counselor should begin the session with a prayer, whether or not the individual is interested in praying, Mm -hmm. because uh, at the very start, you want to invite the Lord in your midst so that the session would go according to his will. Indeed, and of course, one of the names of the Holy Spirit is he is
0: a counselor. So he's the ultimate counselor.
2: Well, actually, I begin praying before the counselor comes in. I begin praying for myself. No, seriously, I will sit down and I says, Lord, what in the world am I doing here? I don't know what this person is going to say. If they say something, I don't know what I am going to say. And so I am dependent completely upon the Spirit of God to reveal to me at the time the counselor is revealing themselves and their problem to me, how should I respond? Because most of the time, I don't know how. That's why the Bible is so important. That's why prayer is so important. And it shows our dependency upon God. And I say to my counselees when they come in, before we pray, before I even talk to them, I emphasize this is Christian counseling. We go to the Word of God. We depend upon the Spirit, so please pray with me. And I try to make it at an offset that God is in this thing from the very beginning.
1: May okay, I, I'd like to, to address this. Um, when, in, in my setting, when I begin to explore the concerns of my clientele, my students, the issue of balance inevitably emerges okay? And as we address each aspect of their life, you can see how each aspect will also embrace the issue of spirituality. And so, in order to realign this area in their life, prayer becomes the intervention employed and we, we ask God for insight, guidance, intervention, and control as a result of our issues that are current in, in this situation. So even though we're in a secular sit- setting, as you may uh, categorize that, there is a way to incorporate the spiritual, and I mean spiritual, not Yen and Zen, but spiritual as we believe it as Christians, we show the imbalance and how, as a result of that, other areas are impacted.
0: Thank you. Those are good answers along the question, how does prayer and counselor-counselee relationship work? Here's a question that segues into what Pastor Lee said and others. Uh, why does the Bible transform a person?
2: person? That's a peculiar question, actually. Why rather than how? The Bible transforms a person because that's what the Bible is intended to do. Yes. Our professor, Howie. Uh, what was his name? Howie Hendricks. Dr. Hendricks, like I say, say, uh, the Bible was not given to satisfy our curiosity. It was given to transform our lives.
0: And
2: the Word of God is alive. It changes us. It is the power of God unto salvation. So the Bible transforms us, because that is what it is supposed
0: to do. Amen. Someone else? Transformative power of the Bible was revealed, inspired, as Pastor Lee said, for the purpose of transforming us um the verse that you quote
1: the verse that you quoted earlier thy word is a, a lamp unto my feet and a light unto thy, my path that's exactly what the word does it guides us to christ amen and as we encounter him and we choose to submit to him we will be transformed. Amen. Amen.
0: Thank you. There's always so much more that could be said, but our panelists are uh, giving time for some more questions here. I appreciate their answers so far. How would a person know if they need professional counseling?
2: When everything else has
0: failed. (laughs) That's a practical answer. How does a person know when they need uh, professional counseling? Does that have to do with the amount of support or lack of support they have in their, in their uh, life? I think I've stumped them.
2: No, I think it comes to the point when you come to a point, hey, I've tried everything. It just doesn't seem to help. And rather come to the point of desperation and suicide and all of that, you reach out to somebody to help. This is why when it comes to marital counseling, it's so difficult to get a man, for instance, to come in for counseling because men don't feel like they want another man or a woman to tell them how to run their lives or to work in their lives and so it's so difficult that's why going back to one of the questions was asked earlier is there a root problem to the presenting problem which can be easily overlooked and I think many times when it comes to marital counseling is when a woman stops being feminine in her marriage relationships. She takes out, she doesn't see the need anymore to always look lovely, to always be a woman. On the other hand, the male begins to abandon his role as a leader. So he stops showing himself to be masculine. So the loss of femininity and the loss of masculinity within a marriage many times lies at the root of a lot of problems. Many times, in order to get your marriage clicking again, go for a cruise down the harbor. Go to a restaurant that you used to go to before. Put some romance into your marriage, and you'll find that some of these things don't come up anymore.
3: At the Christian Constance Center, we have seen quite an increase on men who are approaching us first, not the woman. I think when we first opened the doors, it was women. But now there's a big increase in men who are coming forward, and they want to work on their marriage or whatever the relationship, even if they're cohabiting, they want to work on it and go forward.
0: That's encouraging, yes. Uh,
1: In terms of, that's great, give it up. In terms of knowing when you need professional help, um, in addition to, to depletion and um, tapping out all your resources, I think that sometimes an an individual may receive feedback from friends and family that you know that that, that they are falling apart in certain areas, or certain areas are not um, being sustained and their functioning is not what it should be. And if they're receptive to that, they may go into counseling. Or you have a small number who start group, who start to go into therapy just to silence the nagging of either a spouse or a family member, just to, you know, shut them down. But while they're there, they might gain a little insight and see that, hey, I really need to work on this. And that. I have seen that happen. People didn't want to be there, and they were just going through the motions. But something that is said or done during the session causes them to realize the need in their life.
0: That's great. Um, How do the services of the Christian Counseling Center differ from the social services available through the government?
3: In many cases with social services, um, it's court mandated and basically the social service uh, worker does an intervention after multiple reports from whether it's a neighbor or the school. With our services, it's um, client refer some persons here at or the website or whatever and this is how they know about us.
4: Appreciate that. Um yes, Mike Michael. I think too that um uh you know the the services of the Christian counseling centre are word based, based on the Bible. Yes. And uh you could get counselling from uh social services uh that's world based if you like. Has a, a worldly um, um position or, you know, worldly values um, uh, that are uh, ascribe to the, the counseling. So I think that's one of the differences that you may see.
3: Well ours is integrated with biblical and psychological, so we do both disciplines. And I think the majority of times the social service workers from what the feedback we get is basically just uh, psychological uh, integration and not both disciplines. Yes.
5: right. Uh, yeah, my, obviously my perspective is a little bit different as a lawyer, um, but I, I can tell you that the <clears throat> social support services um, are systemically very deficient. They are overtaxed. Um, they are there simply are, are not enough resources um, to meet the needs of the, the of the people who are in the system. Um, and so it is vitally important, I think. Um, to, to have non-state private organizations, such as the Triple C, that supplements these services. And I know that, that the courts, for instance, um, use these 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 private resources. And I think, Sister Annette, that the court uses the Triple C from time to time.
3: Yeah, yeah, it's we it court mandated when they come to us.
5: Yeah, I mean, I, I know that, that, from the criminal justice system point of view, one of the greatest problems that we have in this country is an inability um, to handle dispute resolution uh, this this is a problem which is particularly affecting our young males and there just, there just is no capacity um, and there's been no socialization to handle dispute uh, disputes between themselves and also between them and females, males and females and, and so their reaction to disputes is very different to what perhaps you or I would think or how we would react. And that's simply because they've been marginalized to such an extent because of the breakdown of the family that either subliminally or consciously, they have never learned what many of us take for granted. And that is the ability to handle a dispute and how do you resolve it. And this incapacity to handle dispute resolution leads to violence. Mm -hmm. And their reaction to these issues is a violent antisocial reaction, as opposed to some sort of discourse or some sort of methodology to resolve the dispute in a nonviolent way. And the criminal justice system, I'm afraid, is plagued with with thousands, not scores or hundreds, but with thousands of cases, which require some sort of outside intervention through counseling. And the, the, the state simply has not been able to match the needs. Um, and I think that makes the 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 ministry and the work of of, of associations and organizations like Triple C extremely important. Very good.
0: Thank you. Um, this is a question that is somewhat loaded. Uh, what breaks down Bahamian marriages?
3: I think one of the biggies is trust. I also think is um, the uh, adultery, and also. Um, the absent father who uh, is not there, because most of our bohemian marriages are headed by the women taking over, and even if she has to basically pay all the bills and make sure the children uh, attend school, even if the man is there, he's emotionally checked out. So I think this is really, the breakdown is where the men haven't really
0: being uh, in the role they should be. Yes, anybody have anything to add yet? I think it's a
2: lack of professional premarital counseling. I think that's one of the basic ones, personally. I think you'll find that if you do a survey of marriages that last, you'll find, especially in these days, maybe all the days are a little different, but in these days, you'll find that marriages break down because of lack of proper premarital counseling. I think that's essential. That's why I believe the CCC is so important, so vital, and the fact that we have committed and dedicated Christians like the Arnets and Paula who are willing to give themselves to provide this kind of ministry. And you're about patient. I don't think you can define anybody more patient than Fred Arnett. I'm not sure about Helen, because Helen has beat me up. You know. uh, really, I am serious about that. Uh, so I'm so thankful for that. So I think it's people who are willing, who have a heart. This is why CCC stands out. They're talking about helping hurting people. These are people who care. These are people who are compassionate. They don't just have a quota to fill or money to make, because, you know, they don't emphasize money but they care for people they have a heart for people yes. and that is what I think impacts so many of the people who go to CCC and availability, Give practical illustration and I won't go into details I got a call the other day somebody was really hurting and they wanted some help but I just wasn't feeling well I just wasn't available they called Pastor, and he was there before they hung up the phone. Now, that's an exaggeration, but that's what happens. He was there ready to go to provide that availability because of the heart that he has and that Helen has. Amen. I
5: think, I think also, again, from a legal perspective, the secularization of the institution of marriage is largely responsible, I think, for the breakdown of that institution. Um, you'd be surprised how many incidences or how many cases we have where people who have been married for less than 12 months are seeking a divorce. Mm. And that's simply because once they encounter some difficulties, um, marriage, I'm afraid, because it has been so secularized, is something just to get out of. You know, I made a mistake and let me try somebody else. And there is no spiritual dimension to it, there's no sense of a covenant or or any commitment to it. And so um, we actually have a law in this country that says if you want to get a divorce um, before you've been married for 12 months, you have to get a special certificate from a judge um, statistically you would be surprised how many applications there are for divorces within the first 12 months of a marriage which simply shows a complete lack of commitment to the institution yes which I think largely stems from the secularization of that institution yes
0: so secularization and then pastor Lee's point of uh, inadequate premarital counseling you know, why is it that a person will gladly pay more money and spend more time learning how to drive than learning how to be a husband or a wife before you get married? Why is that? we got to really ask ourselves
2: that, right? There's this little story. It's very short. Some time ago, a couple called me up, asked me to do premarital counseling. And as many of you know, I like to do things that take a long time. And uh, they asked me how long do i take i said about six months if all goes well (laughs) meeting not one hour we meet until we either solve a problem or give directions where you're going to go after you leave but anyway she called me up and she said pastor lee you remember i called you up six months ago about premarital counseling and you said you weren't doing it anymore so we didn't do it he says i am now ready to get a divorce from my husband, and you are the blame for it. Because if you had given us Christian counseling, premarital counseling, maybe we would not be in this situation. So she actually blamed me for not counseling her for the breakup of her marriage.
0: Mm. Wow. <laughs> Leaves me speechless, and I'm rarely speechless. Um, Here's another loaded question. Um, Is the Bahamas still a Christian nation?
2: Still? (laughs) I personally believe there's such a thing as a Christian nation. A religious nation, yes, and we have a heritage of basing our lifestyle upon the Judeo-Christian principle way of life, but we do that without Uh, without imbibing them ourselves, just something we pick up. We don't know why we do it, but we do it. The Bahamas has never been a Christian nation. It will never be a Christian nation. We have Christian people in it, but we're the salt in this nation. That's why we need to get out there and sprinkle ourselves all over the
0: place. But this is not a Christian nation. That's a good and perceptive answer. But that's, you hear that a lot, don't you? We're a Christian nation. You hear that a lot, but Pastor Lee's right. We are salt and light as born-again believers. Um, you know, if I can just maybe just make one comment
5: on that. Um, and this is, this is from a slightly different point of view. Uh, in our Constitution, many of you would probably know that there is a recognition of Christian values in the preamble to our Constitution. And there is a commitment um, to, to the rule of law and, and to, to, to Christian principles, which again is in the preamble to our Constitution. And I think that is one of the reasons why a lot of people would say that we are a Christian nation. But um, for other reasons, I don't think that's quite right. Um, be, because we are not a theocracy. Right. And I think history has proven that theocracies are not good forms of government. There's been a great deal of persecution under theocracies. Um, and once you get into that particular form of government, then you'd have to ask yourself, well, if you're a theocracy, it's it's all right if the prevailing view is Christianity. But if it happens to be some other religion, and, and you're a theocracy and you are, you are bound to follow the principles of a, of a state religion, then of course we would all find that very obnoxious and unacceptable, unless it was Christian values. Um, And so I think, as a a matter of political science, we are not properly described as a Christian nation in the sense that we are not a theocracy. And frankly, it is not something which I think is a good form of government. We are a democracy based upon the Westminster system of government, which embraces Christian values in our form of governance. And I think that's a more accurate way of saying it.
0: Appreciate that very much. (laughs) Let's uh, turn to the audience, the congregation at this time. Would there be a question? Uh, We don't have a mic to spare, but if you would just stand where you are and say it loud enough for me to hear, I'll repeat it. Uh, Anybody have a question? I'll just repeat the question. The question is, uh, given that counselors like the persons at the panel uh, are meeting and and talking with very troubled, uh, weighty situations with persons hurting, how do you balance your life as a counselor? How do you replenish your life in every aspect of your life when you are dealing with problems continuously?
3: Oh, for me, I per- go to Helen. Oh. <laughs> 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 uh, for me personally, I go on personal ret- retreats where I just go to the other side like Jesus did. Then I also go to retreats or developments and sort of introspect, dump all the stuff, then I also have a, another group that is a mental health group where I feel safe and I can dump and we can bounce off each other what's going on in our lives. And I find that to be very helpful because in that particular group we are brutally honest and I'm grateful for them and I must be honest, some of them are not born again, but they are authentic and that's what I'm looking for, not phonies. And I find them to be very authentic and very human, and like. Paul said, before he died, he said, we are humans first and then Christians. So I find a lot of times when you journey with persons who say they are Christian counselors, they can also be very phony and present a perfect life. And that's not
1: what I'm looking for.
0: Replenishment, uh, balance.
1: A similar, um, one of the things they, they did in training, first thing is to prepare you to self care and like helen i use a group sometimes this group is face to face sometimes it's electronic but it you need someone who can be in your face honest if you you know what i mean i mean calling the shots as they are and helping you to see where you are, and where you need to be going in terms of self-care, and I find that to be a, a place to 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 um, cathars and also to dump, and also to f- refine my um, encouragement and my replenishing.
0: That's excellent. Um, Pastor Arnett's asking, uh, would he have a legal leg to stand on if he forbid, uh, he wouldn't let himself marry persons who refused any premarital counseling, or if he refused to marry a believer with an unbeliever, where would that put him legally?
5: Well, I think it's a good question, and I think you have, to, you have to look at that in two different respects. First of all, what, what, what is the source of your authority to marry a couple? That's a fundamental question. And the answer to that may be different depending upon whether you're answering that in a spiritual context or in a secular context. Because your civil authority to marry a couple comes from the state. And that is because you are a licensed marriage officer. That that, uh, prima facie has nothing to do with religion. And it's not issued by a church, it's issued by the state. And that is your authority to marry somebody. So as a marriage officer, you've gotta be careful that you don't, you don't do anything in the exercise of your civil authority, which is vested in you under the civil law, that would be contrary to the law. For example, if you were to say, I'm not going to marry um, a mixed racial couple. The man is white and the, and the woman is black, so I'm not gonna marry them. Now, clearly, that would not be sustainable, that would be unconstitutional, because you would be discriminating against them under the fundamental rights clause in the Constitution. Um, On the other hand, if you're not marrying them as a matter of conscience, and of course, there is a spiritual side of your authority to marry in terms of the church, but but that's an important distinction between having an established religion, what in the U.S. they call the separation of church and state. You also have authority in the church um, to preside over a marriage ceremony in the biblical context. But as I say, that is not recognized under the secular civil law, and whether you can marry somebody or not really depends upon whether you have, you've been licensed as a marriage officer. I think if it's a matter of conscience which does not offend the Bill of Rights, you would be able to do that. So if you, were, if you were saying to somebody, I'm not gonna marry you because you haven't undergone premarital counseling, I don't think that would be unconstitutional. And I think if they tried to make you marry them, they would not succeed. If you said no for some other reason which breached any of their fundamental rights, then the civil law would intervene and, and you, would, you, would, you would not be able to sustain an objection in that sense. But I think if it's on the basis of one Christian, one non-Christian, or no premarital counseling, I think those are personal matters of conscience which the law would probably recognize and would not force you to marry those persons if it's against your conscience, provided it doesn't offend the Bill of Rights.
0: This is all very fascinating, and I feel like the pilot who says, tray tables up, Fasten your seatbelts, we have to land the aircraft. We could go on a lot more, I realize. But let me just give the panel, uh, as you would like, any chance to say one more thing to the congregation that you feel is important to say.
2: Thank God for CCC and give, give, give. Amen. And pray. Amen.
0: Anyone else? Final word?
3: Um, I'd like to encourage those who are planning on getting married to come in maybe six months. Also, let the emphasis be on the marriage, not the wedding. Um, There's a billboard that says, um, Enjoy the wedding and invite me to the marriage. Sign God. God is more interested in what you're going to do in your marriage. And if you come to the center, we're going to give you tools for life.
0: Amen.
4: Tools for life. (laughs)
0: Let's thank our panelists for their involvement. Oh, Michael, you have the last say, brother.
4: Thank you. I'd like to, on behalf of the Christian Counseling Center, thank you, the incredible body of Christ, uh, for your support over these many years. Uh, I'd like to thank you for allowing the Lord to help hurting people through your support, through your dedication, through your financial support, through your prayers, and um, the, the the Christian Counseling Center is very uh, appreciative of uh, the help that you've been giving over the years. And so we hope and pray that you would continue to support the Christian Counseling Center as we allow ourselves to reach out to hurting people as God would direct us. Thank you again.
0: Here, here. Let's thank our panelists. You may go back to your seats if you like. You may go back to your seats.